0: Okay, so last week we looked at what? What aspect of it? Biblical friendships. Okay, so those are some people that were involved, Paul and Barnabas. I want to say Barnabas so bad, I probably will. I, I was doing it like last night. No, it's Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas, because <laughs> we're always together. It's really difficult. Okay, so last week we looked at the biblical um, characteristics of a biblical friend, and Jeff laid all these things out. So it's seven characteristics of a biblical friend, um, being for and supportive of their friends, not to the point where you're supporting their stupidity, right? But Supporting them in the word of God. Biblical friends are faithful and giving towards God. Biblical friends are humble, submitted to spiritual authority. They lay down their lives. I wish I could read that. That'd be nice. Can you flip that? Um, humble, submitted to spiritual authority, lay down their lives for one another. They have a loyalty to God, his church, and the mission that God has given to them. And then they know who they are in Christ and their purpose to live a life for Christ and nothing else. So through looking at Paul and Barnabas, the duo named from henceforth now Barnabas, um, we saw these different characteristics of who we ought to be. These are things that we ought to possess, characteristics that ought to be true of us as biblical friends, according to God's word. So what I did this week, Jeff kind of laid out the five weeks that we'll be going through. Um, So this is week two. What I kind of did is I was thinking, okay, I'm going to, in faith, assume that everybody that saw these right now or was here last week or listened to it online is trusting God to be all these things. Like I'm just operating in faith that you want to be a biblical friend to others. Is that safe to assume? <laughs> Some slight nods. Okay, great. Um, but as I thought that if we're all going to be these biblical friends and what's next for us. So my hope this morning is to combine Um, Paul and Barnabas' example, (laughs) I lost half the room, lost half the room with my own (laughs) distraction of Barnabas. Look at this example of Paul and Barnabas continued, but also merge it with some personal testimonies of biblical friends in my life just to make it it a little more practical and then also maybe cause you to think about some of the relationships that you have right now and how that could um, play in as well. So this week we're looking at what biblical friends Actually, do together. So, if you guys are taking notes, like six of you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna judge you on your note taking. I'm gonna compare the, the mask wearers versus the non-mask wearers and see who takes more effective notes. (laughs) You want to use mine. <laughs> edubon grabbed this out of the thing and he was holding it like this and he handed it to me i was like oh cool <laughs> i'm gonna put it on anyway and i got these gloves wait one glove from last week if anybody wants one glove one i shouldn't give you that i a next <laughs> message afterward. <laughs> he whispered into the microphone Okay, so we're, we're going to jump back into the context. I'm going to pray first just for this time, this specific time, and these specific words that God wants to speak to us, okay? Uh, Father, thank you for this morning. I'm, I am really grateful for just another chance to get together with these people, this group. Um, Lord, I'm just asking that you would use this time, you'd speak through me, God, uh, that you'd set me aside. I, this message is, is sweet. Um, it's good to me, it's, it makes me reflect on the type of people I've had in my life and um, the type of person I want to be, and I want to call all of us to be, or that's what you want to accomplish, I believe, through this morning. So um, give, us, give us hearts and minds and a readiness to receive all that you have, and, Lord, just communicate to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so the context that we set last week. Seth's already dead. He's still praying. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Prayer is dangerous with high schoolers. <laughs> Um, the context that Jeff set last week was Paul and Barnabas, this friendship, Acts 11, so we're going to be like surveying a number of chapters and just some actions that they take, but Acts 11, 12, we're getting to 13 today, it's these faithful Christians that have been spreading the gospel of Christ from two key cities early on, which are, anybody know, the, what was one of them, say it loud, Jerusalem and Starts so with an A. I think Trevon might have said Not Enoch. Enoch. What? A- Antioch. Okay, so Antioch and Jerusalem. They're going back and forth between these two different areas. Um, and we're, not gonna, we're definitely not going to read every verse, but we're going to pull some of the actions out from chapter 13, end of chapter 12, and take a look at these biblical friends, okay? So if you guys will open up to Acts 11, 24, that's where we'll start this morning. Acts chapter 11, verse 24 through 26. So it says, For he, which is Barnabas, was a good man, and full of the Holy Ghost, and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church, and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first in a- Enoch, no Antioch. Okay, so in Acts 12, 24, the next chapter, it says that Barnabas and Paul were in a place where the word of God multiplied. So in these two passages, I I spent some time looking at them, and you spend time in Acts overall, but you can see it clearly in these two passages. Our first key, or our first area, or first action of what biblical friends do, that was the verse, forgot to put it up for you, my bad, but here's your key point. (laughs) Biblical friends, (laughs) think others do others too and consistently gather in places where the Word of God is multiplying so it says they did this for a year together Paul and Barnabas um, and the Word of God was multiplying in that place and I think you guys know this but I'll, I'll state it anyway this type of thing doesn't happen accidentally right nobody just like I used to live 45 minutes away from Midtown in Holden middle of nowhere I would never ever ever accidentally end up in a place like Midtown where the word of God is multiplying unless I proactively took steps to get there. And that's the same thing. That's true for all of us. Even if you live a couple minutes away, you're not going to accidentally come into places where the word of God is multiplying. It takes intentionality. Um, something of note here is that Barnabas recognized where Paul was at, right? Paul Saul, same guy. I would probably use him interchangeably. So will the text same guy. Barnabas was willing to seek out Saul Because he was led of the Holy Ghost, because he was full of faith, he knew when to pursue Paul. If he pursued Paul, like, a year and a half earlier, what's going to happen to Barnabas? He's Probably going to get wrecked, right? Saul was breathing, like, threatenings and slaughter. He's destroying Christians when he had the opportunity to. So Paul um, has come to the place where he's sensitive to growing in Christ. Barnabas being led of the Holy Ghost and full of faith moves, and he meets him in that place. Okay, so what did um, Barnabas meets Paul, and he brings him into this Christian community. What does that community look like that Barnabas brings Paul into? It looks like the early church, Acts 246. It says, and they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. So these early disciples, um, they're people that are daily in God's presence. They're, they're, they're there every single morning. They prioritize that these biblical friends were glad to hang out with one another. So what in the, in the frame of what do biblical friends do together? They're glad to hang out with one another. They're glad to get into the presence of God daily um, at the church in someone's house, eating food, doing whatever, but they had to be available to do those different things. Right? Like just like I live 45 minutes away, like it wasn't going to accidentally happen where I'd have sweet fellowship with my friends um, I have to make time, we have to make time to have that fellowship. And if we're prioritizing other things, then we can't also prioritize a biblical friendship. So you have to weigh the importance of these things. Are you going to obey God in prioritizing biblical friendships and hanging out with people on a Sunday afternoon? Or will you prioritize whatever else it is? Like, I don't know, getting getting Bunker 11 open in Warzone or whatever. Like, that, there's just these different things that we could prioritize, right? Okay, anybody know what this is? I'd be terribly, terribly surprised. I think one, two. Okay, so yes. <laughs> two people definitely know. Seth can read, <laughs> which is good. <laughs> you can see my blurry editing skills. Okay, so this is actually the Globo Gym Purple Cobras logo, which probably eight years ago I edited to become the Midtown Purple Cobras <laughs> logo. Yeah, Nate says those are the goats. Um, think of a new way that that acronym works for what our team was and then maybe, um, okay. So this is one of the ways in which I was drawn. So we're talking about how Barnabas draws Paul into community, right? This is one of the ways (laughs) the Midtown purple cobras in which I was drawn into a deeper relationship with Jeff. And I was drawn into a deeper relationship through that, um, with Christ and with his body. Um, we were an absolutely awful basketball team. Like we were, we were f- stinking terrible. Like I can't even, I can't even use superl- like words or adjectives right now that would describe how bad we were. It, we were really, really bad. So this is a league at Graceway. And for some reason, like Jeff was like, this would be a great, like I, I know now why, right? <laughs> I know why he did it now. He's like, let's have a Midtown team. So we've got like all these terrible basketball players, but he's doing this um, so that, each Friday night, instead of doing stupid stuff that I probably would have been doing, not like, I don't know what I would have done then, probably just like wasted my time, but instead of doing that, I was getting into the Word with a bunch of guys, I was playing basketball, and I was building meaningful relationships. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, like throughout the years, I'll, I'll talk about it a little more in, as we keep going, but like throughout the years, we just invited different guys strategically onto this team so that we could then invest in them, right? But I, I challenge you guys this morning, what is what could be your Midtown Purple Cobras? So like Jeff had this idea. He's like, I suck at basketball. Maybe I could find some more guys that suck at basketball and we'll make a group out of it. But then in that same vein, we'll spend time in God's word. We'll transform one another's lives. We'll sharpen one another. So what could be your purple Cobra thing, right? <laughs> How could you seek out someone that's willing to, that's interested in seeking Christ, right? As you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit and his leading, who in your life can you see that's like a Paul right now? They're getting to this point where they might be sensitive to receive the things of God. And if you love on them, if you build on a relationship with them, um, if you invite them in then that community and that support, and that thing that they enjoy doing, those, those factors together with the word of God can transform that person's life. Okay, so we keep going in Acts 11.26. Barnabas and Saul are chilling in Antioch. Um, and then you fast forward to 12.25. So I'm jumping around a little bit here, but I'll show you both these verses. 11.26, 12.25. Um, if you pay attention to the difference in tenses, you can see them here between 11.26 and 12.25, you can see something pretty significant happen. In 11.26, it says, and when he, which is Barnabas, had found him, which is Saul, he brought him, Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas, unto Antioch. But then you fast forward to 12.25, it says, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. So the big shift that you can see happen here is it. It goes from he, and he, 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 Michael Jackson, look out. <laughs> and it goes to they, their, them, right? It goes to this um, plural action. It goes from a singular person doing a singular action with, a, like, a singular focus on one person to multiple people, look out, out. <laughs> what if it damaged the TV right there? I'd be like, oh, boy, <laughs> <And> click, gone. <laughs> Nate, you're up. <laughs> I'm gone. But it goes from singular person doing a singular thing with a singular focus on one guy, one guy looking at one guy, to multiple guys bringing in even another guy. So it's not just one guy's ministry anymore. It's multiple men um, seeking out others. So the word of God is multiplying in that place. It becomes their ministry, right? It becomes both Paul and Barnabas' ministry, and they bring in John Mark. So our second um, action that biblical friends are going to do is they're going to recognize and labor in the ministry that God calls them to. And the key part there, as you can see in the slide, is them. If you come around MBT for more than like three times, you recognize a couple things pretty quickly. There's a mission, right? I guess you hear that all the time. There's a mission, and that we each individually have a part in that mission. So we say the phrase, every member and minister, right? Um, I'll leave this up there for a second. But in 1 Corinthians 12, 18, it says, but now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body as it hath pleased him. So this was a weird recognition for me whenever I started coming to Midtown more frequently. I was like, I I read this verse. I'm like, oh, God actually wants me in this ministry right now. And it pleases him that I'm here. And as I thought about that, it wasn't just like, Okay, Dan Renault is leading the Kaya ministry, and it's his responsibility to see idiots like me brought out of the world and taught up, like brought up in the Word of God. No, that's now our responsibility, Dan Renault, and then whatever whatever I can offer at the moment, right? Willingness, whatever I knew from the Word of God, it became our ministry. There's 1 Corinthians 12:18. Got some boys. I think that's the day where, like, what was the context here? I couldn't remember. You're looking like a little guy. <laughs> He's a little guy. <laughs> <Anna>. <laughs> I can't remember what's happening there. But, man, each, each member of our body is placed into it in a way that pleases God. He wants, he wants each of us to understand our role, to buy into that role. <clears throat> so as Jeff was investing in me, as Jeff was investing in me, um, I saw the need to to, what? <laughs> to 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 invest in others. Jeff's ministry became our ministry, and I saw the need to invite others as well. Um, and we started doing that. So I think this is from I – I think this is the first year, actually. Um, so this was Jeff's dream team that he created on the Purple Cobras that was in that KCBT league. Um, you could probably recognize Max of – I don't know. Some of you might be able to recognize, like, five here. Gavin, how many do you think you could name? I think you'd have the best. Seth, you might have a good shot, too. Somebody, somebody that's been around a minute. Okay. So, who do we got here? Jeff. Long-haired Jeff. This, one's, this is not Nate. <laughs> so, this is Pastor Missionary Mark Schaefer. I think this guy's name was Josh. <laughs> I think his name was something. This was some guy. <laughs> I don't think he played. I don't know. I can't remember him. Who's this? Uriah. This is Uriah. Looking young and spelt. Tough. Back of the head. Kevin Fry. Eddie. Eddie, Crane. Eddie Crane. Young Josh. That's. This is a tough one. This is my friend, Zach. And then. <laughs> huh? Yep, and Carlos. Okay, so that's the dream team. Are you sure it's not Tegan? It's not Tegan. Boo. Okay, so we formed this dream team. Um, and each year we're terrible at basketball except for, like, one year where we somehow flukily get to the championship game and, like, barely lose it somehow. It was really weird. didn't make any sense. We won, like, two games all year and then got to the championship game. It was like we normally lose by 40. <laughs> um, it was a different style of league. And we were worse at basketball, too, as a whole. Like, I'm thinking of Jeff specifically. Like, Jeff has grown in basketball a ton since then. <laughs> at birthday. <laughs> yeah, I guess I shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, we got roughed up. I think it was a big factor. The game was too fast for us. Anyway, as Jeff was investing in me, I started inviting my friends too. And throughout the years, like I I got to invite a few friends onto that team just to see what would happen. Right. To see if, man, as we get into the word on Friday nights, they they were there for the basketball initially, man, if we sow the word of God into their lives, if we pray for them, if we show them love, what can come of this? So we did it in faith. Um, and things came out of it. Uh, we played for, I think, I think it was three years, at least that I did. I don't know if Jeff did more or not, but we would strategically invite those guys on, um, seek out those spiritual opportunities. And some of these investments really did make huge impact. Like I can speak for myself. If, if that's the only one, then it was worth it. I don't know, maybe Jeff could say if it was worth it. If it was just me that came out of that and like had any care for the Lord, then it's a worthwhile investment. Um, but you guys know that like Mark was already faithful. Uriah was already on that path. But um, there's a number of investments that were made here that were critical, right? Just that love that was poured out Uh, meant the world to guys like me. Some of the guys were just there for the ball, Um, regardless whether someone takes advantage of the investment that was made through this or not. Um, Jeff did, we did what Colossians 4.17 charges us to do. Okay, so Paul's talking to this guy at the Church of Colossae. They're like, hey, there's this specific guy. I I know he's been called to do something. Um, tell him this, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord that thou fulfill it. Okay, so that's the same thing that God's telling all of us this morning. If this is not Jeff's ministry, um, it's not Sam's ministry, it's our ministry, then that means this, like just put your name as Archippus, right? Put your name right in there. And then consider the ministry that you have as a member of the student ministry. Consider the people that are in your life. And then question to yourself, are you fulfilling being a biblical friend to those around you? Are you seeking out opportunities for ways you can consistently love on somebody and draw them into this community? Take heed that you fulfill what you've been called to of the Lord. Okay, so what else do biblical friends do together? Acts 13, 1 through 3. So we'll, we're will we in Acts 13 now. We'll um, We'll look through that whole chapter just as a surface level and draw some things out. Acts 13, one through 3 now there were there in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Okay, so the third thing that we see, the third action that biblical friends take is biblical friends' purpose to grow with one another. So the first one was they get into places where the word of God is multiplying. When the word of God is multiplying, that's what does the work of building us up and maturing us in the faith. Um, So growing together looks like these things that you can see in that verse, teaching, fasting with one another for the souls of people in our lives, ministering to others, and praying so, I don't know, you can, inter, you can interchange biblical friend with genuine disciple of Christ. Like, those are the same things as I was looking at this. Anyone that's a follower of Christ should be doing all of these different things. Are you giving to others what you're receiving at Midtown on a weekly basis? Um, as Paul and Barnabas did life together, and as that community of biblical friends invested in one another, they, they grew individually. And the word of God multiplied, but that reach began to go even farther, right? You could see it from that picture. Like Jeff made that investment in me. And then I start investing in Zach and Logan and some of these other friends from my high school. The same process is hopefully occurring right now, right? Maybe you have a Bible study leader, or you definitely have a ministry leader who's investing the word of God into you. Are you extending their reach by taking the things that you're getting and preaching them in your own life right are you teaching others are you praying for them are you fasting are you ministering in your own life so that the reach is extended because if not we're just limited right that's what sundays and tuesdays are about we're giving you guys opportunities to draw others into a place uh, where they can hear the word of god so that transformation can occur but if it just stops right in this room then this is the reach and nothing's transforming right Okay, so as that team was unfolding, Jeff was obviously making more friends outside of the basketball team. Like, we weren't his whole life, you know. (laughs) That's not what was happening. Um, As was I, as was Uriah, as was Mark Schaefer. So more friendships developed and grew at the same time. And because we had those meaningful two-way biblical relationships and friendships, um, some of them turned into fruit. Like, I, I I know for a fact that Zach Egerton received love, he received the gospel. He received an opportunity to start a life with the Lord. He was my best friend from, I don't know, it was like different periods, but from like 10 years old to 22 years old, the guy's my best friend. I, I know I gave him a chance. Um, some of the people in that picture moved forward in faith. Some of the people took the, took the seed that was sown to them, and they're like not interested currently, right? Or heck no, I don't want anything to do with that. Those are the answers that you'll get. I have other groups of friends that I spent time with early on um, from high school that I ran with in cross country and none of them, none of them move forward. Right. I loved on them. I spent some time with them and what I'm doing with them now is like quarantine happened. And I sent a message out. I was like, Hey, I was just running on the track behind my house. Thought of you guys. How's everyone doing? So I'm like, and I had a few deeper conversations out of just knocking on the door to see what might happen spiritually, right? Nothing has come of it, though. And sometimes we'll play the super long game. But as I'm playing the super long game here, I'm also engaging in the short game with disciples and mentees and you guys, right, with my friends. But the reality is, uh, if you don't place yourself in situations where the Word of God is multiplying, consistently, then you're not going to be able to form biblical friendships because you're not biblical individuals, right? Maybe maybe you are and then somebody else is, but there, there won't be duly biblical friendships if you're not going to the places where the word of God is sown. If you don't have biblical friendships, you're very likely not going to view the ministry as ours or yours, like you have ownership in it. And if you don't view the ministry as yours, then you're not going to be teaching, ministering, fasting, praying accordingly for people because you won't have the right mindset or heart set for people around you. So all these things work together. The characteristics that Jeff was talking about last week, you gotta be those things so that you do the things because of who you are, right? You guys have experienced who's experienced rejection trying to love on somebody or share Christ with somebody, right? Like anybody that's actively doing that, here's another encouragement. Like it's okay. <laughs> People are gonna do that. People are gonna reject you. Um, even if you have a humongous heart for them and you do everything for them. I hate it. <laughs> I really hate it, but continue to be a biblical friend to them and trust the Lord when you can knock on their door again. Like, I've got some doors that are slamming hard shut right now with people that are incredibly dear in my life. I'm just like, flip. You know, like, I hate this. <laughs> this is the worst. But I can't, I ultimately can't control what they're going to do with the love and the truth that I give them. Okay, so as we continue in Acts 13, verse 4. It says, so they, which is Barnabas and Saul, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. You're like, I don't know where any of these places are. They're on a boat now. They're, they're out in the Mediterranean. Um, and what you can get from this verse, and we'll speed up a little bit as we start coming into the backstretch here. Um, biblical friends are led by God. But the biblical friends are led by God, not their emotions or best intentions. So you're like, why are these guys getting on a ship where they don't have like any way of really navigating apart from the stars and their experience and their junky maps that they have? Like, why are they going out into the Mediterranean um, to seek out people that they don't even know, right? We're chilling at Antioch. We're chilling at Jerusalem. We've got all these great relationships here. Why would I leave this? They definitely would have been more comfortable just hanging out at home, right? No doubt. The ministry they already had, had already proven to be fruitful. Why start sailing? Well, that's what God desired them to do, right? He said, go to these places. Separate unto me for the purpose that I've called them to, um, Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas, to accomplish this work. And what I was seeing here, and there's friendships that I need to focus on more. God's, God's placed me in situations like Hogan where I need to be more friendly to Phil Miller, you know, I need to. There's people that you guys are going to be called to that you're like, this is not as comfortable as this other friendship, just chilling at home or at church or in this classroom. You're going to be called to uncomfortable situations and uncomfortable friendships by the Lord, and we need to pursue those. We need to do that heartily, like even if it's even if it's not the ideal friend in terms of interests or um, likeness, like if they're not just like you or whatever it is. You'll be called to people like that, even if it doesn't feel right. Okay, so you guys memorize these verses, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. This applies to friendship, right? God, as I pursue this person that's kind of been rude to me or they've been standoffish or they just haven't engaged in my love towards them, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto your own understanding In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. So man, who do I, like, that's the hard question to answer sometimes. Like, who do I become friends with? God, give me wisdom because I don't want to just become friends with this person who's going to squander all my time and all this investment that I want to make. God, please direct my path on who I should be friends with when we go back to this weird hybrid learning next fall or throughout the summer. God, who do I befriend? How do I befriend them? What do I do? Like, that's a question that we can trust the Lord in um, and not lean on, on our own understanding. Well, I already do these things. It just makes sense that this, and that can happen, right? God can place you on teams or whatever, and you become friends with them. And I'm not saying don't do that. I'm saying trust the Lord's leading, not just ease of access to people, right? Okay, so let's start landing this plane. Acts 13, 6 through 10. And when they'd gone through the isle onto Paphos, uh, they're, they're sailing to these different places. They found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew. Got a lot of titles for this guy. Whose name was Bar-Jesus. This guy sounds really interesting. (laughs) It didn't strike me until now. Um, Which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Alimus the sorcerer, for so his name is by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, O full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, Wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? Okay, so what does a biblical friend do based on these verses? Biblical friends recognize, separate themselves from, and stand up to perverted individuals in their life. Perversion can look a number of different ways, as you can see from this text, right? It's a guy that's withstanding the word of God going forward. And the Bible calls him um, a perverter of the truth, of the right ways of the Lord. So there's going to be people that you guys are going to encounter, you already have in your life for sure, who you want to be a biblical friend to, but you have to recognize that they only want to turn you away from the truth and make you an enemy of righteousness. Like Their, their intention isn't to become a, a, a genuine friend of yours. They just want to pervert your ways so they can have another person in the dark with them, right? You've, you've run across people like that. They're just like, They're not interested at all, but you kind of get along with them. So you're like, I'll just keep being friends with them. But their whole intention is just to get you to where they are, not the opposite. Right. It's it's often subtle, as it says in the text. This guy's full of mischief. If we're not wise, we'll be carried away with this way of living, with this way of thinking. And again, I I make this point because there's people in my life that are taking, they followed that subtle path for a while. And when you follow it for a while, it just gets farther and farther away from the truth. So you, whenever someone calls you back to the truth, you're like, that's a long way away from where I now think, right? And you don't want to go back. So you don't have a heart to go back, and you don't go back sometimes. So take, take stock. Take account of the friendships that you have. There are these people, again, not every relationship you have will be someone like pulling you towards Christ and Christ-like living. It doesn't mean you have to throw every relationship out. But be wise as to what their heart intention is in your relationship. Okay, so they withstand the sorcerer. They continue on their mission. um, And then Paul just starts going off. So from verses in in Acts 13, from verses 16 through 41, which I am not reading. (laughs) That's a lot. Paul just goes nuts. He starts blasting this audience that he's preaching to. I would love to hear this guy preach. Like, just, you know that the Bible is summarizing, like, This intricate, intricate, perfectly way better spoken than I am currently. Like this baller message, he's just blowing at these people. He's like, bam, and you're just getting like the footnotes of it. So it can be recorded in scripture. Um, So Paul is intertwining the gospel with all of Jewish history from Abraham to the present day. He's just like, (laughs) blop, Egypt, wandering in the wilderness, judges, promised land, David, prophecy, and then Jesus. And you guys killed him. He just lays all that out for him. Um, And the point that I saw here, as a biblical friend, Paul and Barnabas engage in this work, what they do together. Second to last one, biblical friends know, obey, and declare the word of God in their own personal lives. They're not reliant on other people to do that for them. Um, They know the basics, but they also know the deep things of God. You could see that if you look through this passage, like Paul's laying out all these intricate details of the history that gives context to support, and you guys killed the Messiah, you killed the one that you should be worshiping. So they know the basics, the death, burial, and resurrection, but they also know the history, the context, the reasoning, the cross-references, the pictures, the types. They've spent time learning those things so that when the opportunity arises, they're able to give a word, um, a good word, that fits right in that due season. I I just want to ask you guys, I was thinking about this myself, I mean, when's the last time that, I just proactively went out of my way to share a word of encouragement from God's word to to a brother, to someone in the church. Like I sent them a text or I stopped them in the hallway and I said, man, your situation's making me think about this that I've been reading. When's the last time we did that? Someone that's anxious, someone that's depressed, someone that's got a lot going on in their life, someone that needs a reminder of the truth. When's the last time we just gave a biblical reminder, a biblical perspective to their situation? Maybe it was yesterday. Awesome. Maybe it was months ago. Why is that? It's, it speaks to our focus. It speaks to what we care about. Um, I just encourage you guys to be a biblical friend. Take ownership of this. Take ownership of the responsibility to extend the reach, to encourage the body. Take your devotional time seriously. How's, how's the word of God going to multiply in Kansas City through our student ministry if we don't accept it as our responsibility individually and collectively. Receive it in the morning, process it for your own own life, apply it, carry it throughout your day so you're ready to give an answer. <clears throat> okay, so everything that we've looked at so far, I'm going to skip a little bit. Maintaining biblical friendships, every, everything that we've looked at, being these characteristics that we looked at last week, doing these things that God's called us to this week, every single one of them is going to require, maybe you're thinking this would be really difficult to do these things. It just seems hard. Um, it'll require sacrifice. It'll require commitment, diligence, struggle. It will necessitate you giving up comforts in your life to see other people comforted. Like Jeff, for the first, I don't know, probably six months or something crazy like that. I don't don't know the duration. I lived 45 minutes away. He drove from his house in Raytown or somewhere. I don't know where you're living at the point. He drove from Raytown to Lee Summit to meet me there, which was halfway from me, drove me to Midtown, and then after church would drive me back to Lee Summit just so that I could hear the word of God. So in doing so, he was sacrificing a bunch, comfort, comfort, time, like time with other people, like he was giving up a lot so that I could have what I needed. Okay, so this is going to set us up for next week, this last one. As Paul and Barnabas lived out their friendship, doing the things that God had called them to do together, they experienced what we're going to experience. They experienced persecution. So it's hard to do these things just individually. It'll, it'll be a struggle that you'll have to engage in. Um, but once you engage in the struggle, then people will resist you. So you're like, oh, nobody resists my faith in Christ. How much are you struggling would be the question that I would ask, right? So Paul finishes up his baller message, and there are varying responses to it. Um, you guys can look at that, but um, Acts 13, 42 through 52, these last verses, there's, there's multiple responses to this awesome message that Paul gives. Some Jews are like, bro, you got to come back next week. Can you preach again? Please come back the next Sabbath. Some of them are like, hey, like that guy after service, he's like, man, great message. Just keep doing, keep doing you, dude. Like there's other guys that do that. And then the next Sabbath, Paul comes back. He's like, yeah, I'm encouraged. I'm going to do this again. I feel like God wants me to do this. And the whole city comes out to hear him preach. That'd be crazy. But then at the same time, on the other hand, there's other Jews that are like, this is a whole lot of people. And we're losing influence. And this isn't cool for us. Um, And they become filled with enemy. Enemy? (laughs) <laughs> they are they, they are enemies they become filled with envy um, they speak against the things that were spoken by Paul contradicting and blaspheming and they they want to shut this work down there's there's persecution there's resistance it goes gets to the point where they throw them out of the city right okay so biblical friends endure hardness together and persecution and continue in the mission that God's given them 2 Timothy 3:12 you guys probably know this verse yay and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That's just a biblical reality whenever you engage in the struggle that God calls us to. So anyone willing to engage in the struggle of living a life for Christ is going to suffer that persecution, is going to face those obstacles. But embrace that reality, lean into it, lean into God as you do this, um, and then seek and accept the support that your biblical friends want to give you as you engage in that. Right. That's, that's another function of the church body is to just comfort you to support you as you engage in the mission in your life. Right. I think we're ending like now. Um, so we don't have time for small groups, but I'm just going to pray. And if you have something that you're like, man, I need to, I've been thinking about this person. If you want to pray about a specific situation or if you feel like man this is something I need to do, then obviously do that, okay? Uh, Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for its simplicity. I know that was a lot there. It's um, a lot to take in, but ultimately it's being a biblical friend will require laying down our lives. So, Lord, I just pray that we would have um, a heart to do that. Lord, the, the loss that are around us, that are suffering, that are anxious, that are depressed, that are tired, that are suicidal, all these different things, that we would see that, and not just be comfortable ourselves because we've got some answers but Lord engage in loving them and bringing them the truth and bringing them into community and um, I know that you want to use us for that so Lord give us, give us faith to just believe that we can be used um, and engage in that work I pray it in Christ's name Amen.